Welcome to the Art of Coaching Podcast, a show aimed at getting to the core of what it takes to change attitudes, behaviors, and outcomes in the weight room, boardroom, classroom, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Brett Bartholomew. I'm a performance coach, keynote speaker, and the author of the book, Conscious Coaching. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student interested in all aspects of human behavior and communication. I want to thank you for joining me. And now let's dive into today's episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Art of Coaching Podcast. I'm here today with Jeremy Hills, which this is going to be a fun interview because Jeremy and I really just started to get to know one another as well. So you are going to hear a real-time conversation, questions I really have for him, just like many of the guests. But Jeremy and I don't have a ton of history, so this is kind of us getting to know one another, us exploring other topics, and uh, really diving into a lot of different topics and, and variables in here. Jeremy, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Brett, thanks for having me, man. I've been uh, keeping up with you for a while, so uh, feels good to be on the show. No, I appreciate it, man. Like, And, and give uh, in 60 seconds or less, give our viewers or listeners, rather, a little bit of information about you. And uh, obviously, I'll talk about some of the things that you're probably too humble to mention, like uh, you playing at the University of Texas as a running back and uh, just how much you've skyrocketed into the field. And, and not only that, how you handle yourself in terms of just not trying to prove yourself being one of the best, but like uplifting other coaches. So I'm going to lead with that, but give us some of your other background just so people can orient themselves and get to know you. Right. Uh, real quick. Yeah. Uh, originally from Houston, Texas, ended up deciding to go to the university of Texas, the university of Texas, Shit. Uh, play, play some good ball out there, man. We had a good time. We had a real good time for those that know about the Colt McCoy era. That's when I came around. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, my senior year, I, I broke my leg pretty bad and ripped up my ACFL. So that was kind of the end of ball. But honestly, it was that rehab process, that, that, that whole rehab progress and everything we had to do, that whole process there that really kind of piqued my interest into this field. Um, I fell back on my degree, went ahead and did medical device sales for a couple of years there and learned a lot about anatomy as you get the chance to see, you know, really surgery all day, every day, as I was over 11 hospitals and surgery centers by the time I left there, and then went ahead and jumped into this field in 2014, going into 2015, and fast forward a couple of years, man, here we are. Well, I'll tell you what, one, that's a really succinct breakdown, nicely done. Two, for somebody that just jumped into the field, I'll tell you, man, you have one of the cleanest social media channels I've seen in a minute. Like, I've been doing this for about... <laughs> 13 years as of this recording and I got no, uh, you know, I, I don't have any, you have, you look at your photos and you would think that there is a pro following you around daily <laughs> and like the interesting life of Jeremy Hills. Now I do want to talk about this first though, right? Cause you, I, I think sometimes we have a tendency to just blow past some of the interesting parts and jumping points of our career. I mean, one playing football at the university of Texas, and I grew up a corn husker, so you're kind of a sworn enemy, but it's good. Uh, oh, yeah, and yeah. then you, you got into medical device sales. How the heck did that happen? And then what was the foray into coaching? Like, what was that process like? Oh, okay. I don't want to do this anymore. Now coaching, like why, why coaching? And then what's that transition been like, Jeremy, going from somebody that played sports at such an elite level to now working with athletes in that, like talk us through right. one, that transition and then what that journey has been like. Right. Well, it's been a journey. Journey is the correct word. Um, earlier on, man, you know, everybody has that dream of like, you know, that 15-year NFL career. And I was no different, being 100% honest. And so, you know, not having that happen was was uh, was tough. 
But ultimately, I truly believe that like our journey kind of leads itself to the next phase, almost like a good book. And so I think I, I learned so much about the game, played it at a high level, developed a lot of relationships while playing. And, you know, when my days were over and, and I studied kinesiology, I studied anatomy at the University of Texas, it was almost an easier transition into that field because the, the, the orthomedical device sales field is tough, man. It's, it, it, In it's, what way? It's a hustle. It's a hustle. I mean, you, you got to think um, real short to give you a peek into it. So orthos are going to use whatever tools they want or that they deem is best to do their surgery on athletes or athletic-related injuries. Well, it was my job to basically convince them to, to use what I was selling, implants, whether it's tools, whatever it may be. And and then you got to kind of keep that relationship, establish it using some of the same tactics that you would in football or sports, whatever it may be. And it's competitive because there's other sales reps from other companies. So I enjoyed it really from that aspect of it. But then I really began to appreciate how much I had learned about the human anatomy, just overall how the body works when it's working and operating at the highest level and then how to put it back together when it's not. And so really taking that knowledge and then taking my passion for the sport of football and then track and everything else I had done, it was like, it just made sense. So I had began writing up programs literally for my, for my old high school back in Houston. I began writing up training programs for the athletes there just to kind of test my theory. And then on their end, they're able to get training for free. And, and you know, it worked. It worked over the course of about a year and a half. Guys there were signing, you know, not saying that this was the total reason because it definitely wasn't, but these guys were playing better. They were signing, you know, big-time scholarships, guys going to Texas, guys going to Florida State, guys going to A&M, et cetera. I was like, hold on, man, we might have something here. And I realized that I truly enjoy that part of it. I truly enjoy sharing the knowledge that I had from both the aspect of the game itself and then from the aspect of anatomy and what it says the body is supposed to be able to do. So that ultimately kind of, you know, like a gumbo pot kind of mixed all that up together. And that was like, okay, I really want to do this. Yeah, and that, then I made that transition out of that field into this. That's a really good way of putting that. Sorry to interrupt. I love the gumbo analogy. And and sticking with that for a moment, you know, gumbo, a lot can go into that. And I find <laughs> that when you, when you first start out as a coach, you know, just like when somebody starts out with, as a business person or anything else, our programs often look a lot more like gumbo than they do, you know, kind of a, an organized story, right? Like writing programs yeah. early on, uh, going back and looking at them, at least I know mine. I'm like, oh, damn, like, what was that? Oh. You know, like, do you have any do you have any notable, like, kind of fun, like embarrassing things that when you look back on them, you know, I know you said you only really kind of got into the field, like relatively recently, right? But like, still looking back, like, what were some common errors and mistakes and things that you like kind of laugh at now with your programs? And then where did you kind of have a knack for being on the right page early on? Man, goodness. Um, my God. So it's funny. I, I just read a, a Instagram post from Eric Cressy and he was talking about it you know, looking back five years ago and looking at your program and then kind of face palming. And I was like, that is me. I almost want to apologize to the people five years ago for even coming to me and listening to what I was saying at that time. I was like, oh my gosh, why are there so many speed ladders all over the place? What am <laughs> I doing? And, and so, you know, just doing what I knew had worked and then trying to pair that with just what I knew about anatomy at that time was, the bulk of the program and and like you said it, it i mean it lacks structure 
it definitely lacked structure. It was a piece of the program, but it was not a comprehensive program that was going to aid someone over the, the long term and as to getting better and then, you know, reducing the risk of injury. No, it was not that. It was like, okay, as to where you probably should be doing 20% of this, I'm having you do it maybe every other day. And it was like, oh my God. And what, like what when you doing? look back on that, like when you rationalize that, what, what did old you say? Was old you just kind of using it as, you know, a form of neural activation? Did you feel like the guys wanted it because you, you being a former high level athlete, like you liked that, like where was the bias that kind well, see, of. That's you- the thing. Now we use it for some neural activation, but back then, I, oh, I, this is how we get better. This is it. I figured it out. This is it. I know what we're doing. No, not at all. And then again, like you said, you, you play at a high level and guys watch you play on TV and they kind of grow up knowing who you are, especially like just here in the Texas area, I still stay in Austin. So it was like, well, it, if, if Jeremy says it, it has to be right. You know, there was nobody really there to check me at that time and say, hey, young fella, come sit down. Come, come sit down. This isn't, you're doing this. You don't, you don't want to go about this this way. <laughs> you're going to end up being a, uh, a Instagram trainer. Yeah. And that's the last thing you want to be. So, hey. you know, I look back on it then and, and that's, I was doing what I knew to do. Sure. Yeah. And I, sometimes, you know, and I think it's almost interesting to do a whole podcast on this someday, but you know, it's funny if you think of comics and movies and, and I'm not an avid reader of comics by any means, but I know enough to know that there's always some different universe, right? Like it, sometimes this person's a bad person. They're bad. They're good on another one. It would almost be interesting to do a podcast episode on like the, what if we're wrong podcast, right? Regarding Instagram trainers. Like what if, everything and it's just like entertain it for a moment what if we're wrong and all the things that the slappies do you know on and i I just think social media and stuff highlights it i don't think these people are only on social media but what if everything that we've laughed at and looked at and stuff is like one day we woke up and like we were wrong wouldn't that be fascinating to think like you ever think about that i i haven't until now and if that happens I'm just going to go sell cars. I got to do something. <laughs> hey, I got to well, figure out something else. I got to do something different. Well, that, that actually like leads me into my next question for you is, you know, talking about like what success looks like and how to pivot in your career. I mean, just to give our listeners a sense, right? Like I, I remember reading up on you and there's an article that talked about how football is really a family tradition for you. Your uncles right. played, your dad played professionally. You have a brother who at the time of that article at least was still playing. And you right. had said, it's kind of like what we do. You fell in love with the game early on and you still do it. And then, you know, then you get into medical sales and all those things like, and now you're into coaching. Talk to me about what you mean. Like, what does it mean to pivot in your career? And then why is that so important to actually find success? Because most people I think are like, no, no, I need to find what I do right away. And if I don't find it right Right. away, I'll never be successful. Elaborate on that. Well, see, that goes into like what you define success as being. You know, for me early on, success was, becoming famous and making a million dollars and playing a lot of football and, you know, doing whatever it is I wanted to do. That was that's what I, that's pretty shallow, but that's what success was. And now when I look at success or when I really like truly thinking about it, I'm like, to me now, success is simply like, it's really about the impact that I leave now and then the inspiration that I leave behind when I'm gone. Like that's what success is for me. It's like, all right, how, how am I impacting lives today? How am I truly investing, you know, time and energy into the others that have trusted me with, with basically leading the way as for helping them towards their dreams? So that's what success looks like for me. And ultimately, that's where the most fulfillment comes from. Um, 
like you said, I come up in a football family. Like my, my dad played professionally, uncle played professionally. My brother just after a nine-year career retired at uh, the top of 2017. So good for him. He gets a chance to finally relax a little bit. But it's like for us, success was that. But once you reach that, then what? And you realize that that's not the answer. So, I mean, we can dive into success all day. But in short, to me, success has to be more than about you. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, short-lived. You're going to still be longing and reaching. And, and for the ones that want to find it instantly, you're going to miss out on so much of the journey that you didn't look back on and realize, like, that's what truly made me get to the point that I'm at now. And then when you look back five years from now, you're going to realize that you're going to have ups and downs from that point that's going to lead you to that destination. So we hear all those kind of cliche sayings. It's about the journey, not necessarily the destination. But I always say sayings are saying for a reason. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. And, and like, I do want to ask you this and I like what you said there, you know, now you, you look at it as almost kind of double eyes, impact and inspiration. Now, you know, I think some people, and you just mentioned it right there, some people w- would say something like that and the meaning behind it or the layer of depth is no greater than, you know, some cheesy daytime TV show. You know, what, right. like what I want to know is like, how do you personally define, uh, you know, that impact? How do you personally define inspiration? Like, what does it look like to you that it might be right. different for somebody else? Well, for me, the, the impact now is, is simply like, all right, what, how are we, the people that are coming through the door, the people that, the, the, the ones that decided to reach out to you, whether it's social media uh, emails, or however it may be, the people that have decided, like, hey, you can help me. Okay, the ones that are vulnerable enough to do that, what did you do with that power? Because that's power. That's what that is. Like, that's somebody, like, basically coming to you and then saying, lead me. So then you're in a position of, like, power. You're in a position of influence and leadership. So what are you doing with that? When they left, were they for the better or not? Like, and that's all around. Obviously, you know, I'm dealing with the athletes, so we're talking about athletic performance and we're talking about being able to then take what we're working on and have it transition over to the field and then obviously staying healthy and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and having a great career. And that's amazing. But that can't be it. That cannot be it. That's why, honestly, like a a big thing that one of our little sayings around the facility is like family time, right? And, And what that simply means is that like, all right, we're, we're having real discussions. Like, we're trying to put together real programs. Uh, we just started up a charity now called Fair Catch Foundation where we're literally doing things in this community with, you know, single parents and single mothers and truly helping them make an impact not only in their lives but in their communities as well and then trying to, like, spark change that way. So, for me, that's impact. But then the inspiration is kind of piggybacked on that, I guess you would say, because... Now that we're doing that with this platform that we have right now, because who's to say that anybody will care what Jeremy Hills or Brett Bartholomew has to say five years from now? So all we can guarantee is that we have this platform now. So then the inspiration really is like, all right, what did you do with that platform when you had everyone's attention that is still lasting and had other people's, you know, ideas sparked from them that then they went on and did things that, spark someone else and then you know that thing just kind of keeps rolling from there so it's like that's what I kind of want to do and it's like I'm not this guy that's like all right I want to go out and change the world no not at all but what I'm saying is I want to do something different 
with the platform and the time that we have. Now. Yeah, and I think that's good. I mean, like, listen, and, and the other thing I learned about just reading up on you and doing my due diligence is that, you know, you get back to your local community. Like you said, you're still in Austin. You went to school in Austin. You played for the Longhorns. You give back to your community. And like, that's that's a piece in and of it, my, uh, like itself. And, and seeing how you do that is great, you know. And so the next half of that question that I had is, you know, when you pivoted, when you decided to change, because there's somebody listening to this podcast right now that no matter what career they're in, it doesn't matter whether it's coaching right. related, like somebody's like, mm, I'm pretty sure I'm getting into something else. Or if, you know, right. they're, they're going to figure that out sooner or later. Talk to me about the, the shit that surprised you when you switched gears and got into coaching. I mean, obviously you'd been around some element of coaching, you'd had coach, but like, what was it about the field of strength and conditioning that maybe surprised you first in general? And how did you even feel about like changing careers? What were some of the insecurities, the yeah. the worries, the concerns and, and all that? Walk me through that if you wouldn't mind. Well, let me start by saying the pivot itself, because again, like you said, the people listening to this that, that will never do coaching a day in their life, you know, they're, they're, they're going from one career choice to another. But that, that moment itself is the scariest shit in the world. I don't want to sugarcoat that at all. It's, you're going to go through every single emotion. You're going to have every single up and down. It's going to feel like it's impossible to actually be successful at this new field. You may start telling yourself, I'm, I'm filling the blank age. How am I going to do this now? And different things like that. But you have to, you have to basically stay with that and understand that it's truly about, it's truly about where you will be once you do it. What does that mean? It's like, okay, by making this pivot, by making this change, I'm going to start living out my purpose. And then, and then let me take a step back. You have to actually, you have to actually kind of figure out what that purpose is. And if you try one thing and you got into this point and you're like, all right, this isn't it, then it's like, all right, then try something else. And if you fail at that one or you, you succeed at that one and then you decide that's not it, then try something else again. Like that's what life is about. But then that, that pivot, that, that decision, uh, for me personally, it was actually sparked by, uh, I'm laughing while I say this, it was sparked by my oldest brother. I was on the phone with him and I was like, hey man, I've been driving back and forth from uh, Austin to Houston recently, you know, training at Elsick. That's my old high school. And I said, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Like more than I've enjoyed anything since I've played football. And he's like, all right, what are you going to do? I, said, I truly think I'm going to, you know, make this change. And he says to me, Jeremy, you have no school debt, you have no kids, you have no wife. If you fall flat on your damn face, you can get back up. And ultimately, it was just like, you got to do it. You just got to jump. And it sounds fun. It's like, okay, it has to be more than that. No, it's not. You just got to jump. You got to understand that you're going to fail. You got to understand that that's okay. You just got to keep going forward. Stay in it. And it's like one of those races where it's almost like the, that, uh, that old story, the tortoise and the hare. It's not about like where you start. It's just, can you keep laughing? Can you keep taking the punch? Yeah, and I think, I think that's hard for people sometimes, right? Because some people feel like, yo, I can't fail all the time. I got a wife, I got kids, or I got a husband, I got this. And, and uh, you know, that that's, that's always uh, an interesting thing to consider as well, right? Because it does get more difficult. One thing I always tell people just to follow up with your advice is, you know, one thing that I'm glad I at least, I've taken some risks is like try to do it early, but I also don't right. really ever think there's a too late. I know this. I like I, I do acknowledge that, you know, for, you know, one of my friends, 
he's looking at a career change and he's got two kids. He's got a wife. She loves where they're at, you know, all these other things. So it's a little harder to move, you know, but what I always tell him is, listen, man, like you do know, you may not know what you want to do yet and how you want to approach it, but you absolutely know the things that you're going to regret. And I think when you know the things that you're going to regret, which you alluded to that, like it's very simple when your values are clear to you, making decisions becomes easier. And that's tough. But I know at the end of the day, like when I looked at some stuff, I was like, all right, I can sit here and go back and forth with all the bullshit I want. But what do I value? And one day, what am I going to tell my son or daughter? And one day, and I think it'd be really hard for me to like, look at my kid in line and be like, yeah, you can do this. And you got to approach life without fear. And you got to get back up. Because at some point as a parent, you'd be like, yo, I'm not doing that. Right. Right. And that's the thing. You got to be honest with the guy in the mirror at the end of the day. Like that's what you owe it to. Yeah. And I think that just brings it back to what we were just talking about is where it's like, what's your purpose? Yeah. I, I tell people that all the time, like, cause your purpose ultimately is your why. That's why you're going to do whatever it is you're going to do. And then it's like, okay, what does that even mean? It's like, all right, what's the reason for which you do something or what's the reason why you're created? Why are you here? And when you when you kind of understand that, it, it begins to paint the picture for everything else. And it's like, all right, now that I truly know what my purpose is, it's like I'm going to do to the best of my ability this, and I'm going to continue to grow in it. I'm going to continue to learn in it, and then I'm going to continue to share it. And that's ultimately, I believe, like that's how you're going to get the most fulfillment out of this life that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of fulfillment, that was another thing that I think you have an interesting insight on is just enjoying the ride. You know, I, I, I think these podcasts and it gets really easy to just line up a podcast and be like, man, tell me about all the hard work. Tell me about this. Tell me about your keys to success. Tell me about that. But like, I don't think people ever just kind of talk about like, tell me about how you enjoy yourself. Tell me about how like, you know, outside of training, you know, some tremendous athletes outside of the work and the grind and the hustle and all this stuff. Like, what do you actually do to maximize enjoyment with the time you have, Jeremy? Like, and how do you think just witnessing aspects of strength and conditioning and the kind of hustle culture that's around now and all this stuff, like, you know, our, our industry prides itself on hard work and it's not always going to be fun. So you've got to find a way to do this. Can you allow, and feel free to go as deep as you want but I want to hear your insight on this. Right. And, and let, let's like, let's be clear though. There's, it's hard work. It's early mornings. It's late nights. It's, it's unexpected athletes wanting to come in and missing the appointments and then begging you to, to, to wait for them another two hours as they come from one place. That's there. That part of it is there. I, I don't want to act like it's not. No, we all know that. I think, I think like yeah. that, that's a refreshing take you bring though is like, like we can all talk about that. Can we just talk about the other side for a minute? Like, go ahead. Exactly. And that's, and that's what I'm saying is that it's like people from the outside, I believe, and I think a little bit of that is because like we, you know, Brett, we come from that grind culture. So we're almost proud that that's our field. We're almost like, yeah, it's, it's like that macho man mentality. Like this is our field 5 a.m. in the morning. I beat everybody up. I'm, I'm the last one out the gym, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But man, enjoy this shit while we're here, man enjoy it like truly enjoy it what i mean by that is like what are the things that make you happy what are the things that make you laugh what do you like most about your job what do i like most about this i try to like be around those things for me personally if i'm just talking about the athletes and i love the actual finished 
product. So I love that after all of these months, they've done it in January. We're sitting here in September now. Uh, opening weekend is this weekend coming up. And I'm thinking, I can't wait to get to a stadium to just sit there and, and watch fill-in-the-blank athletes perform some of the things that we've worked on countless for hours up to this point. I truly, truly, truly enjoy that. And then it's like, outside of that, what do I like to do? I like to pick up my nephews and play Uno. I'm the best Uno time player out, on Uno, this. Like, timeout, Uno? Like, old school Uno? Like, old school Uno. First, okay? of, all, I'll, I first of all, I'll whoop your ass in Uno. Like, <laughs> tell, me, tell me about right, this. No, go, go ahead. You play. As soon, as, soon as you come down here to Austin, I'm picking you up with a, with a, <laughs> a deck of Uno cards, all right? Yeah. But, but no, what I'm saying is that, like, it's okay to, to be human. It's okay to, to enjoy it. It's okay to, like, not be up at 5, in the, 5 a.m. in the morning. It's okay. So that's the part that I'm talking about where it's like, enjoy this thing while we're here, man. And like truly take it all in because you're going to look up and you're no longer working with these people. You're no longer doing it. That's just how life works. It progresses. Nobody stays the same. Nobody stays the same. You move in one direction or the other every single day. So it's like, all right, if I, if I understand that and I believe it to be true, then I have a responsibility to take as much of this moment in as I can and do that moment by moment. So that's all I really mean by it. It's like, man, enjoy it. No, enjoy I, it. I've been working with a guy now that's going on year 10. Damn. And, and he's, he's had an amazing career. He told me the other day, he's like, I wish I would have enjoyed this. Thing. I wish I would have took this in. I wish I could have, you know, kind of smelled the roses while they were sitting. Because he sees it. He understands how this game goes. Father Tom is undefeated. He knows he won't be playing forever. And it's like the last regret you want is one that will never come back. And that's fine. So truly enjoy it. Yeah, I like and and here's the thing that I learned too, right? Like, and, and I don't know if I've ever shared this with the listeners, but there there have been periods in my career where everything, like, I had to have constant intake. If I walked the dog, had to have a podcast on. And obviously, you know, I have my own podcast, so I encourage you to listen to this with the podcast on, or <laughs> listen to the podcast where you're walking the dog. But if I was walking the dog, I had to listen to something. On the way to work, I had to listen to an audio book. If I was in the restroom, I'd have to read something. Like every single day had to be about intake, intake, intake. Well, what I realized right. is that since I never stepped away into these incubation periods, kind of like that warm shower moment, right? Like everybody knows an idea that finally became clear when they just relaxed, i.e. like whether it's a warm shower, whether they went and did something else, like your greatest ideas don't come to you until you are kind of just like tuning out, turning off or enjoying something. I think it was John Lennon that said like time, you know, like time spent doing nothing is never wasted or rarely wasted. Now we all know the other extreme of that. There's people that just sit and pontificate and they're on their ass. So I'm not, I'm not talking about any of that right now. I'm talking about specifically to those of you listening who every moment of every day, you feel like it's got to be productivity, productivity, productivity. There gets to be this break even point where just again, like training, like if you keep training, 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 you're never going to have that adaptation. So have you gone through that in areas of your life? Like what is that warm shower? And that's a metaphor. Like what is that for you? Where like, you know, if you just need to think or you need to relax or you kind of need to let your brain go dumb for a minute, like what, what is that other than Uno? Man, the craziest thing (laughs) other than Uno. That's funny. I'm thinking hard in Uno. Don't, don't, no. That's not, that's not. I know. I'm messing with you. I'm thinking hard in Uno. But no, um, for me, it's funny. It's um, when I'm surrounded by family. Just because I'm reminded of my values, I'm, around, I'm reminded of my why. Um, ultimately, my goal, you know, 
coming from where I came from in, in Houston, my goal was always to, to change the dynamic of my family tree, kind of uh, inspire those young minds, and then for them to kind of think other things are, are truly available to them. So whenever we're just sitting around and one of my brothers is barbecuing and I'm watching my nephews run around, believe it or not, like sitting on the patio on the porch with a beer in my hand is one of the best ideas in the world. And it's like, I think it's truly because I'm, I'm able, I'm in that place that you just spoke about, that warm shower moment. I'm in that place to be able to accept those ideas. Like if you're constantly, like you, like you spoke on, if you're always intake, 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 you've never really stopped yourself and allowed the ideas to even have a moment to seep in. You're always, if you're intaking, then you're trying to process. If you're processing, then you're thinking and working. You've never really just sat still. So it's like, sit still sometimes. Don't be afraid of that. My mother used to always say, it's okay to be bored. And I never knew what that meant. But it's like, you don't have to be doing something at every moment. Well, and she was right. Okay. Like, they show that there's, there's research now that suggests that creativity comes from boredom. And now people right. never let themselves be bored. You know, when somebody's bored and they don't have the option to get on their phone or get on something else or pull something up, they start doodling or they start finding other things to do or they create like that's, mm -hmm. that's a benefit of when you hear people just go off to a cabin somewhere or do X, Y, and Z, right? Like, so I, and it was compelling to me because I was like, wow, like, wait a minute, what, what correlation are we trying to draw here between boredom and creativity? And then I thought about that and it's like, no, that's how the mind solves problems. And it's right. almost funny, like everything around us now they're not productivity devices. They're all distraction devices. Somebody gets bored, I'll check my Instagram. Or uh, I know like one one thing that I always do is like, you know, I, I, I'll check the news, you know, and, and like there's different news apps that kind of aggregate things I'm interested in just because I'm naturally like curious. But sometimes I'm like, you know what, man? Like, why don't you just sit here? Why don't you like sit here and like think about, like that's how my book came about. I was reflecting about shit during a, um, uh, what's not an overlay, what's the word? Oh my God, my brain's going blank. There was a delay in my flight, layover, good Lord. And yeah, uh, yeah. and like I started sketching out what became conscious coaching. And I don't know that that would have happened if I'm constantly just sitting there being engaged and you know, all that. So like, yeah, I think that's a huge piece. Have you ever had something like that where it's just like an unexpected idea or something that really helped you get over the hump came from a super unexpected place. And how do you try to recreate that, Jeremy? Like what's what's a part of your process when you're trying to come up with something creative or, or overcome a problem? Do you have a process or a place or a thing you do to kind of get the juices flowing? There's a lot to digest in this episode so far. I think you guys would agree. And one of the things that makes this podcast unique, hopefully, is the fact that I encourage you guys to stop periodically, make sure you're hidden pause, take notes, or find five different ways you can apply something that somebody's told you in this podcast. So during this break, I also want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor, as always, Momentous. Momentous is a big reason why I'm able to give you guys uh, you know, a lot of the free content that I try to give you, whether it's on this podcast, whether it's in different articles I share, or anything else. And we try to make sure that we highlight not just who they are and what they do, but also what they have. Because I know you guys are busy. You don't always have the time to be able to look these things up, especially if you're driving. So we're going to talk about three main products Momentous offers just real quick. One is their standard way, and this is what's called Absolute Zero. Now it's grass-fed whey isolate. It includes prohydrolase enzymes to help digestion. It's one of the things that right in the morning, it's, it's what I'm gonna tend to take. Uh, then they have Arc Fire, and this is meant to be the recovery after strength or intense workouts. This is also grass-fed whey isolate, a little bit of rice maltodextrin, D-ribose, 
uh, creatine monohydrate and includes L-glutamine and then also the prohydrolase enzyme blend, which again, if you're somebody that typically has trouble digesting whey or any kind of issue with dairy in general, this really makes this a non-event. I know this because my wife and my father have both had issues digesting some form of dairy or whey in the past and both are able to use this without any issue as are many of my athletes the majority of which forget to eat breakfast the half the time. And this is something that we work on constantly, just getting them to eat real food. But I always make sure that I have some sample facts, uh, packs of momentous with me so that I can get something in their system, whether it's that and a banana or anything else before we train. And then finally is Redshift. Now, Redshift is really about recovery after endurance workouts. And we'll do separate profiles on this in future episodes. This is grass-fed whey isolate rice maltodextrin, D-ribose, potassium citrate, and also the enzyme blend. Now, the point here is no matter what you're looking for, no matter what your goals are, it's just a matter of finding which combination of these and the timing of these is gonna work best for you. But remember, they are all NSF for sport approved. They're all informed choice approved. Guys, it's the only company I've ever gotten behind you know, publicly in, in this way because it's the only one that I've ever been able to put my full weight of endorsement behind. I, you know, I, I'm not a big product guy. I'm not a big supplement guy. I try to just encourage like, hey, are you, are you eating? Are you hydrating? Are you sleeping? But even with my schedule and as much as I travel, I realize that we all do need support of some kind. I think Momentus does an excellent job of that in an ethical, high-quality way. So uh, if, if you meet any of their team, make sure to thank them. Make sure to at least learn more about them. And now we're going to get back to the episode. Um, no, what, uh, actually, it's funny that you brought up the airplane because for me, it was actually being on a plane and I didn't have Wi-Fi. And that was like the first time I know it's like, oh, first world problem. But for me, I've had Wi-Fi on every plane. So I get on a plane and I always brag like I do my best work on a plane because I'm sitting still for the first time. I'm on my phone and my laptop and banging out everything I need to do, whatever it is that's coming up. But I had a long flight, like a six hour flight and the flight just didn't have Wi-Fi. I apologize ahead of time, but hey, sitting there now, there's nothing you can do about it. And truly, truly, truly sitting there, not tired with nothing to do. And I uh, didn't have my, my book with me or nothing. I was like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do for six hours? I just sat. And then I started reflecting. And then I started thinking. And then ideas started pouring. And the next thing you know, three hours later, I had three pages of notes in the notes section of my phone of just where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, how to do it, how to get it done, what to do. For and before you know it, a six-hour flight turned out to be the best thing that could ever happen to me. Because it turned into like real plans. It turned into like an actual uh, uh, plan, I guess, just to, to really put myself in and put this, my, my company in business where I wanted it to be. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting off the flight and I'm making calls. I'm all excited about it. The time difference had me three hours ahead of Texas time. So I'm calling. It's like 10 p.m. And one of my business partners, I'm like, hey, I need you to wake up. He's like, what's going on? Everything's okay? I was like, yeah. I just got some great ideas. He's like, is everything all right? And, and, <laughs> and But it, it's exactly what you say it is. It's exactly what you just said. It's like, man, allow yourself that time. Allow yourself that time with yourself. You'll be a better everything, better coach, better father, better husband, better brother. Just a, allow yourself that time. Yeah, I love that. And that's a great example. You know, it's it's funny. I, I actually, I started something a while ago where I don't allow myself, like I don't do formal work on planes. 
Um, I tried in the past and, you know, about 20 people that are hyper aggressive with the, the chair launch back almost broke my laptop a couple, <laughs> and like, man, I just sat there and I'm like, you know what? This is like the only time of my day where like somebody can't really reach me. I mean, I know they could cause you can text on planes and whatever, but like, you know, I'm like, I, I'm going to like do this. I'm just going to like planes now or like they're, they're my no reach zone. Like I even have a text keyboard shortcut, no joke on my phone that when I'm like, when I'm getting ready to board, I'll hit the word, I'll hit the letter D twice, D as in dog. And it'll literally tell people yeah. like, yo, I'm boarding a flight, not trying to be rude, but like, I can't hit you right now because I like one, I always have this guilt of like not getting back to somebody. Cause I just, I know I was big timed a lot coming up and I don't want people to ever think they're not important to me, you know, but like, and that's something I'm working right. on too, is sometimes just going to bed without answering all my text message. Like nobody needs to get a hold of me every day, all the time. Right. But like, so when I'm on a plane, I do that. And now what I've learned is like, I'm the same as you. I'm glad you said that. Well, I'll get off a of flight. And because I allow my brain to just chill, I'll come off with all kinds of notes, podcast ideas, this, that, whatever. So I just, I mean, I think hopefully people, you guys are listening, like Jeremy nor I have all the answers, but I'm just trying to give you a little bit of counterintuitive advice. Like don't worry about being productive all the time. Cause that shit comes from when you're not trying to be productive. Like you've got to allow right. that out. But is there anything else you do that's kind of like somebody might consider odd or kind of just <clears throat> unique and and just a, a a different kind of habit, Jeremy? If not, no worries. Well, I'm putting you on the spot. But is there anything else? No, 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 for sure. For sure. And you just, I mean, you already just touched on it. Like, like not, and not responding back to every single text before you go to bed. That was the toughest thing for me because my selling point, quote unquote, earlier on was that, you know, I'll always be there kind of deal. And and no matter what uh, client or athlete it was, if if they needed me for something, then then I I prided myself on being able to to respond and help out or answer whatever question or provide whatever insight I could on whatever topic, no matter what time of day it is. And and that becomes pretty tough over time, simply because the time zones alone. You know, we got you got West Coast clients, you got East Coast clients, and one group is up three hours ahead of you and one group doesn't go to bed till another two hours after you. So it's like trying to be up and available for everybody wore me thin early. So again, it, it kind of circles back to what we already touched on. It's just like, Hey, put up healthy boundaries. Um, it's not a big time thing. Like you just said with the double D trap that you have, it's like definitely put up the healthy boundaries and let people know that I will get back to you. Just not right now. Right now is me. Time. And, yeah. And, 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 and truly owning that was, um, a hard lesson for me, a very hard lesson for me, but it's one that once I kind of, I won't say I've mastered it yet, but once I kind of found its importance and truly started practicing towards it, it helped out a lot. Yeah. Well, and it takes time and like you kind of become, it's interesting. And we've done another podcast on kind of setting professional boundaries, one with Brianna Battles. But the thing that I always found that was tough about it is one, you know, again, you want to get back to people. You want to make sure they know that like somebody thought enough of you to reach out to you, you know, and all that. So mm -hmm. you want to honor that. But at the same time, when you go back to what's your definition of success, I know for me, it's like, I, like I have to be able to turn it off. I have to have my time be my own sometimes. Like I'm, I, I and, and it took a while for me to sit there and take stock and be like, all right, I have a podcast. I have a YouTube channel. I got a book. I have put more thoughts out in the world you know, then probably I should have, <laughs> depending on somebody's point of view. I'm like, you know, they're, they're really like, if somebody can't get a hold of me right now, there generally is at least some resource they can listen to. And, and that was a right. big like genesis of it. I mean, I'd get 
uh, you know, you'll get a question on DM and I'm like, all right, I could answer this for one person, which I will like as much as I can. I don't, I don't routinely check all my DMs or anything, but like, or I could put this on a podcast. So I just try to politely tell some people now I'm like, yo, this isn't big timing you. This isn't brushing you off. But I have done a ton of podcasts on right. a ton of different topics. Have you checked those out yet? And you know what? The majority of the time they reach back out and they're like, you know what? I, that answered my question. No problem, man. Thanks for what you do. And that's when I know that person's actually even worth the time too because they've done their due diligence now. They actually reached out. Some people are like, well, why don't you tell me what podcast it is? I'm like, bro, like... <laughs> So I, I think some, it yeah, and I think on. I think that's the other thing too, right? Like I'd be interested in your uh, your piece on this, right? Like because we talk about coaches as servants and this and guys, but like for you, Jeremy, what at what point do you think? Let's say you're you're coaching somebody, or even you're mentoring somebody in day to day life, or you could even take it to your family, whatever. At what point do you just kind of like say, hey, you got to do this part on your own, or you at least got to meet me halfway? Like, how do you broach that? How do you broach that topic of being like? I ain't gonna spoon. I'm not gonna do the shit for you. Yeah, and that's so funny you bring that up because, in all honesty, in my experience, that's the conversation that I pretty much have early on with any new athlete client that I take on. Just because um, you have to have that conversation where you say, "Listen, you're not doing me a favor. I'm not doing you a favor. We're in this together," and. You have to really draw that line of like the difference between uh, being uh, of service and then being a servant. Though in my in my mind, those are two completely different things. And so I try to have that same approach with with anyone, whether it's like you said, somebody reaching out that wants information, or somebody that's trying to shadow or learn from you for class credit, or they want to intern and do whatever or whatever the case may be. It's like truly understanding, like. You let them know early on that, like, there will be work. You know, you will do it. I will help you. I'm a, I'm a helper. I'm, a, I'm of service. I'm not a servant. I'm not here to do it for you. And sadly to say, you know, I don't want to be that old guy. That guy that's getting a little older keeps saying the next generation. But uh, uh, in my experience with, with a little bit of the, the younger guys, it's like, man, that, that, silver, that silver spoon has, has uh, reached his ugly head once again, and 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 here we go. We got to address it. Where it's like, understand something. I'm here to help. You come to me for help. I will be that person. I will study and do everything I need to do in order to prepare you to to be successful going forward. But you have to do it. There has to be an equal level of respect. And ultimately, to me, Brett, that's what it comes down to. It's like the respect factor. It's like if I respect Brett in his time, then. And it's never out of like a malicious intent, but you know, but if I respect Brett and his time, then I'll take the time to do my research before I come to him with the question. You know, if, oh, okay, he's already answered this. And ultimately, if you've answered that one and it truly answered my question, usually that leads to another question that probably hasn't been answered. Come to Brett with that one, whatever it may be. But that's kind of how it's been in my experience. Yeah, that's good. And I, I want to ask you, building off that, Jeremy, what are some of the other like tougher conversations you feel like? you end up having with, with those you lead? Like what are some things where you feel like most coaches kind of skirt around them, but you try yeah. to knock them out of the park head on? Like I know for me, just to be transparent with an example, I started telling athletes now, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm the guy you go to to train with like when you realize all the fancy shit doesn't work. 
Like, and I just let them know, like right off the bat, I'm like, I do. I just say that I go, when you guys, you know, I understand that when you get into the league, you're tired of the classic kind of college weight room stuff and, and you can get really enticed with everything out there. And I ain't going to try to stop you. I mean, there's a big difference for me now in my twenties In my twenties, I wanted to train everybody. Right. Cause I thought like the optics, right. of, like one, I want to like challenge myself. Like I want to run bigger and bigger and bigger groups with less and less and less help. Because like, yeah, I, like, I don't know. I just thought that was a test of my skills. Like, all right, I'll run a group of 40 with like less, not even an intern or maybe one intern or something like that. And that's how our mutual yeah. friend, like, you know, Jamie Loeffler, who was on the podcast, she can tell you about that. Like, you know, because there's so many other coaches that try to act like it's so hard. And it's like, they got like 80 assistants. You're like, come on, man. But I also just right. had this chip right. on my shoulder, which wasn't right of like, you know, I felt like those optics were important. I felt like people had to see you. If you were going to be known as a real coach, people needed to see every time that you're coaching. Almost to the point that, man, like when I got on IG originally, I was like, all right, damn near every post has to be a coaching post. And my wife was like, why? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, just because somebody will feel like if I'm not, you know, posting that, that, oh, I'm not so, and, and she's like, but like, do you, do, who else does that? Like, does, you know, and she laughed at me one time. She's like, I'm pretty sure Dr. Dre or somebody else makes beats because she knows I love hip hop. She's like, does he post a picture of himself in the friggin' studio every day? And I'm like, that's a good point. And you yeah. know, what's funny is now I have no interest in trying to train everybody in the world. Like if I had my way, Jeremy, I'd buy a big ass 15 acre plot of land out here in, in, in rural Georgia. And I'd create a shed that's like 2,500 square feet. And I would send people invites and be like, yo, if you're serious about it, come on out there. I'm going to take 15 spots. If not, go do your thing. Right. And like, I'd rather train, <laughs> but you know what I'm it's, saying? So I just tell people like, don't come to me for the bullshit. You have anything like that? Yeah, man. It's just so funny to hear. I felt like you were describing my life there for a second. <laughs> like early on, I got into this game. And it's one the you, let me take you back, Brent. The year is 2014. And I decided I was going to be the best ever to ever train and that I was going to train every single top athlete ever. And that's, and, and that's what my mind was. And ever. I'm like, ever. I mean, ever. And, and when I look back on it, I'm like, Jesus, well, you were young, dumb. You were young and dumb, like really dumb more than you were young. But it was <laughs> like, uh, when I, when I think about it, I, it's funny that you bring that up because that's kind of where I'm at now. Uh, in a previous conversation you and I had, I, I already told you where it's just like, Man, for me, my interest has, and this is what I was talking about, about like, you know, growing as your purpose grows and you grow with it. It's like, don't get me wrong. I love, I love training. I don't want to sound like I don't. But for me, the challenge in, in kind of where the passion play is and the purpose play has kind of been in education, has been in traveling and seeing how they do things on other parts of the world where they honestly don't care about American football. And I say American football because the rest of the world calls football soccer. So we're the only one that calls it football. But right. That lets you know just how, quote unquote, important it truly is in the grand scheme of things. But it's just like, as I've grown, it's like, oh, man, what what do I care most about? And I care most about, in all honesty, is like helping, you know, the young ones. It, it really helping educate them. Really working with younger trainers and then helping watching them see their success. And it's like that's one thing that's kind of been growingly interesting to me. So I, I definitely agree with you. I've been there where it's like, no, I want to I wanna train this big group and I want all of these guys and I want these high-profile guys. I want to be their guy. And, that was, and, I, and I've lived that part of it, and that's been fun. And it's like, okay, it's time to pass that on to the next person who that's the most important thing in the world for them because it's no longer for me. 
But you just said about a, a acre or two on, with 2,500 square feet dedicated to invite-only training. I think that's a dream. That's a dream right there. Man, that right there sounds amazing. Well, and that's funny but how that evolves, right? Like you, you start off right. like, all right, I want my own facility. And then, okay, or I want to work for the NFL team or I want to do this. I'm like, yo, I want to live a pretty quiet life. Like go, like I like, I like speaking, which we, I want to talk about because I know you do a bit of that as well. I like coaching and I like working with people that want to get better. Like I don't need to go spend the rest of my life trying to hunt everybody down and talk them into training with me. That's just not. And you know what? I think more coaches would be, I think they'd actually, it's counterintuitive. I think most coaches, if they wouldn't try so damn hard, they'd have more success attracting people. Like, you don't need to, like, quit. Like, you can't be that hungry for it. Like, and I don't mean hungry in terms of, like, driven and determined. I just mean, like, it's almost like taking the bait. You know, some people just take the bait of feeling like, like, don't chase things. Like, not everything's worth running after. That's a difference, right? Like, so so keep going because you said you feel like you kind of want that as well because you've worked in facilities. Have you ever owned your own facility? Yeah, I've owned my own facility. Yeah. I've done that part already. And, and, and man, for the people that love doing it, the ones that have done it, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and it's still what gets them excited about waking up every day, I salute them. Yeah, nothing wrong with I it. I wasn't that guy. I wasn't that guy. And, and what I realized is that, like, I felt like for what I love to do and the type of impact I want to make, it's not going to happen being tied to a building seven days a week, 25 hours a day. That's not going to happen. I wanted to kind of, you know, spread my wings, as they say. And, and so sold that facility. It did well here on this market. And, and then I, I ventured off into other things. And so for me now, I think we talked about this before, too. Where I was like, I probably will never own a facility. I'm fine with that. I'm completely fine with that. Like, that's not the goal. That's not what I want to do. So I, I want to make the impact that I can make. I love and I love to travel. I love to travel. Recently, I, I uh, was actually out in Middle East Asia doing some, some coaching and some teaching out there. And I'm working with some of the best physios there. And I'm learning so much from them. And I'm truly understanding that, in all honesty, man, y'all are ahead of us. Y'all just don't have access to the same tools that we have. And that's truly what the trade-off is. It's like In what way? Really, like, so, for example, uh, on the smallest level, first one that came to mind was, like, okay, uh, resistance training and then why we use it for athletes or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, all right, some of the the uh, national team coaches out there when I was in Dubai, they didn't – they hadn't really explored it yet or they really hadn't found how they wanted to use it. So we were talking about different systems that we may use that may be good for their athletes, et cetera, et cetera. But then I'm sitting down with them over lunch and they're talking to me about actual training. And I'm thinking, man, you guys, this is amazing. This is amazing what y'all have done out here, which is little access to anything. And so that's what truly, and, and like for me now, that's what's important to me. It's like continuing to learn, almost like being quote unquote, like a forever student, like learning everything as much as I can, sharing those experiences with, with as many as I can, and then taking it all in along the way. Yep. No, I like that. I think that's good. Now, listen, you may not want to talk about this next part, but you are. You're like, I'm a force. Oh, here we go. This. Now, whether you say that it, and I don't know what you'll say about it. Right. So there's not like whether you say you do or don't or whether like you try to or don't, man, like it looks like, you know, a thing or two about building the like on this. I'm about to say a scary word on this podcast. It looks like, you know, a oh, thing or two go. about building a brand, right? Like your imagery, oh. the way you manage these things. I mean, like, man, like 
you look anybody that just looks at you on, on yourself on social media, you're in suits, you're on podcasts, you're traveling, you're coaching, you got guys by that you're working with, you know, in their unit, like you got a lot, but like the way you do it is right. Like in none of this shit, do you ever try to say, yo, I'm this, I got all the answers. Like, so I appreciate the fact that you're not trying to make it look like, yo, this is me, 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 but you're enjoying the ride. Right. And that's the fine right. line with building a brand, right. Is like, it needs to be built off values, not vanity. That's that's my approach. It's got to be. But like you also like there are some things, man, like in the past, I almost wouldn't share pictures of me speaking in front of a big crowd because I didn't want people to be like, oh, here goes this guy again. And I don't yeah. just I don't worry about it now. I mean, those are some it's funny, man. And, and those are some of my least like photos of like I'll, I'll speak to a thousand people like mm, 200 likes, whatever. And I'll yeah. do something yeah. with me at coaching and it blows up. And I remember one time somebody said something to me, they're like, that's right. Like the people that really know where you want to go, they're always going to, you know, follow you and support that. Like, and I, I'd just rather have a thousand true fans and a hundred thousand, like quote unquote, you know, just fake ones. But talk to me about your approach with building a brand, like the strategies you've used, all that kind of stuff. And, and where you think most people could kind of just do that more authentically and responsibly. And you just said those last two words are the best. Like it has to be authentic and you have to be responsible. You're responsible for everything that you post, put out, say, a part of, everything. Everything that you co-sign, all of it, you're responsible for it. And then it has to be authentic to you, to the people that truly know Brett and the people that truly know Jeremy, to the person that for the first time just happened to scroll across your page on the Explore page. Like there should be some some symmetry there as far as what they're actually saying. And And I think that, it's easy to make that happen when you're kind of true and honest to yourself. For me, I've always looked at uh, social media as like a, a easy way for me to kind of reflect and look back on the journey. And then for those that are quote unquote following me to kind of be on that journey with me. Like those people remember me, you, you asked me that I'm on facility. Those people remember me first, getting the facility and purchasing it back in January of 2016 to now here we are on the tail end of 2019 and they get the chance to see what a career is now. And I have those kind of DMs where it's like people I've never met that have told me like, man, I, I truly feel like I'm on this ride with you. It's been crazy to see you grow. And I'm responding like, hey, thank you. I have no clue where it's going next, but let's enjoy this shit. And that, that's really been my approach to it all. It's like, man, really be yourself really, really be yourself and like truly enjoy all of it. And, the, and it's like, all right, he keeps saying like, enjoy it, have fun. But if you don't, then what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, are you like, Brett, are you, are you right now one of the best performance coaches and one of the best educators out of obligation? Or are you truly like servicing the people and using your gifts? Like, that's where you have to kind of self-check and see like, what am I, why am I doing what am I doing? And then from there, it, it makes the brand part easy. It makes the brand part easy. Like all a brand is, is you on display. That's it. Like, like it, it, when it's authentic, when it's real, all a brand is truly is just you, but on display to others. And so anybody that meets me or anybody that, that knows me will look at the brand, so to say, and be like, oh yeah, that's, that's really him. That's, truly how he is that's how he talks that's how he moves that's how he laughs that's how he coaches that's how he interacts and i think that that's the best compliment that you can have is that you're being unapologetically yourself and the people that can relate to it the people that are inspired by it 
they decide to hit the follow button and go along for the ride. It's not like you're going to start doing something different to cater towards them. You're going to continue to be yourself and more people should be inspired by it. That's kind of how I view it. Yeah, it's well put. All right, these next few are going to be uh, kind of just some rapid fire, more fun, don't overthink them, but just kind of uh, different ones to kind of get people thinking. One, if, if you were going to give a gift to somebody, you know, and, yeah. and that gift was a book, it doesn't necessarily need to be your favorite book. It might just be a book that you know change something right like your way of thinking or exposes them to something you think they need to learn early like if you were going to give a book as a gift to somebody what is one book you would give it doesn't have to again i'm not i'm trying to make this as easy as possible it doesn't have to be the book but what's just one book you might give to somebody man uh two books came to mind can i give you two books yeah no doubt okay the first one that came to mind was the talent code by daniel coyle yeah i just recently finished that and in short, in very, very, very short, like it's just like operating at the edges of your ability. When you make mistakes, it makes you smarter. And it's like truly like kind of owning that and, and seeing how it applies to your life, the life of the people that you work with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a million reasons why I would like say the talent code is a book that I would give. And then secondly, uh, the autobiography of Gucci Mane. I felt like that book was just entertaining. The it, autobiography it like- of Gucci Mane? Yeah, I that love felt it. Like, <laughs> that felt like a movie. As I was reading that book, I was like, this is insane. I read the whole book in a day. I felt like it was insane. But uh, yeah, those two. I would give those two. I love it. All right. What TV sitcom family would you most like to most likely be a member of? Oh, easily. Fresh Prince. Yeah? Oh, I would sit right in there. I would sit right in there. Oh, easily, easily, easily. And that was one of my favorite shows growing up. I love it. I love it. That's great, man. Uh, what's something that, like, in your house, like, you always seem to be low on? Like, you always find yourself having to go back to the store. You freak out. Like, let's say you got back from an international trip. You're coming back, yeah. and you're like, damn. Like, I know I got to go to the store and stock up on what? Like, what do you got to have in your house? Uh, oh, that's, a, that's actually a tough one. That's okay. Take a minute. Vitamin water zero. Vitamin water zero. Which that's flavor? It is. The thing is, like, Oh, oh, the lemonade flavor, easily, or the or the orange one, or the uh, what's that? The pomegranate, that one's really good. All of them, all of them, all of the vitamin waters. The thing, so a couple of my family members have keys to my house, so when I leave out of town, stuff starts disappearing out of my kitchen. It happens every single time. Yeah, yeah, that's that's perfect. All right, uh, you know, if you, I got to think about how to like, if you, if how do I got to phrase this one like. What is your favorite? Like everybody's got a bad joke, like something that you're not even expecting to get a laugh. Like you're just like, it might even just be an icebreaker, getting a guy to like chill out and think about something else. Like what's one of your favorite like bad jokes? Okay. Um, oh man. Yeah. Now I'm going to get laughed at. That's okay. Like I'm guys, give him a pass. I'm setting him up to like make him. The point is to sound like, you know, make yourself look stupid a little bit. That's a part of a bad joke. Yeah. uh, So whenever I meet people, I usually do like a fist bump majority of the time. You know, I mean, when you're in a gym setting, you're not just shaking a million hands. So I'm usually doing a fist bump. What majority of the time I like put my palm out their fist to hit my palm. I'll say Turkey. It's funny to me. <laughs> yeah. That, hey, man, that's all people get. You can do the stick shift one, too. That, that gets, if you, get, yeah. if you can make the card noise. Uh, exactly. 
last one, last one. Okay. And this one, I already know, like er, almost every coach says the same thing, which, you know, you might say something counterintuitive now that I've, uh, I've led you into that morning, noon or night. Oh, morning, morning, morning. person through and through morning person through and through just cause it's been ingrained in me. Yeah, my, sure. Man, I was, I was eight, had no business being up at six o'clock in the morning. My dad used to wake us up and make us go run a couple of miles with him before like, come on, man. But yeah. But, but morning for sure. It's, it's ingrained in me. Cool. I love it, man. Well, Hey, you've been a good sport with that, man. Those come out of left field and, and you just being able to laugh at yourself says a lot about, you know, your character and just being raw and honest like that. Jeremy, if people want to learn more about you, if they want to support what you're doing, uh, you know, what, what are the preferred mediums and I'll make sure to link these in the show notes. So don't worry about spelling it or anything. I'll get that all out there for you, but tell me where they can reach out to you. Got you. Uh, on all social platforms, if anybody wants to reach me, it's just jhills5. So that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, whatever else is out there. I'm usually just jhills5 on all of that. And if anybody wants to go you know, a deeper dive into actually coaching, being coached, uh, anything else like that, then they can find me on uh, Join Ladder. So I uh, recently started partnering with Ladder there to really kind of just to be able to touch more people that I don't come in actual contact with on a day-to-day. So they'll be able to find me on Join Ladder, and I'll be doing some coaching there as well. So those are usually where everyone finds me, is either Join Ladder or any social platform at JHillStyle. Perfect, man. Anything else you want to uh, leave the audience with? Any uh, any final words, tips, advice, or you feel like you got it all out? Mm, words, tips, or advice. Um, if I said anything, I would say, oh, try to be a forever student. Forever student. Never try to mastery is not the goal mastery is not the goal for every student learn 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 share 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 that's it i love it that's perfect guys until next time this is the art of coaching podcast be sure to leave a review on itunes i know i say that all the time but that's because those algorithms matter and your support matters Otherwise, people like Jeremy and other guests, they don't get heard by as many people, all right? So make sure to leave a review, show your support. If you liked this episode, share it with a friend or 350 friends, preferably. Uh, Jeremy, I appreciate your time. And uh, until next time, man, we'll talk soon. For sure, Brett. Appreciate you having me, man. Talk to you soon. Listen, one more thing before you go, and I know a lot has been crammed into this episode. But I want to make sure I let you know about my YouTube channel. So I didn't do anything on YouTube for the longest time. Uh, But per your guys' requests and per some folks that just really wanted some more visual content, whether that be uh, just tips, advice, strategies, or even visuals of the type of coaching that I do, live events and workshops, I have created a YouTube channel that showcases even more in-depth information that complements the podcast, the book, and everything we're doing at Art of Coaching. So if you found value in this resource or you're enjoying the content, please make sure you visit my YouTube channel, subscribe, and we're going to continue to try to put out a wide variety of things that whether you're a coach, whether you're a personal trainer, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a manager, all in some way, shape, or form help you better interact with people and figure out how to work on bridging the gaps in your own development. So again, check out the YouTube channel, check out anything else that we do at artofcoaching.com. And thanks again for tuning into the show. I appreciate each and every one of you.